Welcome to the Sports and Shit Podcast. It is episode number 19, sponsored by Anchor. It is the easiest way to create a podcast. Just want to download the Anchor app, give it a shot. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Sports and Shit Pod, also on Instagram, Sports Smitty, and like us on Facebook. Again, episode number 19. Thanks again for joining us. I am Maddie, and let's bring in the next hot dog eating champion of the world, Smitty. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you. Stomach I enjoy goes. a good Nathan's hot dog. You, you, do you? You like the Nathan's? I do. Maybe not, you know, 70 yeah. of them, but I like a Nathan's hot dog. You don't, you don't sure. have that uh, expanded stomach? I don't have the expanded no. stomach. I don't dip the buns in water. No. You know what I do like with my hot dog bun? You get the New England style roll. Okay. You butter each side like a grilled cheese. Okay. You throw it on the grill. And it's delicious. Really? Oh, yeah. Like Dairy Joy oh, used to yeah. do that. You, you butter the sides, you grill it, and you stick the hot dog right in there, and it is and a, heaven. And a heaven in a bun. That's what the hot dog eating contest is. Oh, that's is. A Nathan's, right? Yeah. Because yeah. I'm a Fenway. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm a Fenway. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I am too. I am too. But, I, you know, every once in a while, you know, give me a Nathan's yeah. hot dog. You know what I don't like? No, I don't a... like the red hot dogs up in Maine. It's a big deal. The red hot dogs. Yeah. I'm not a fan. It's, they're skinny. They got, the, they got a little extra snap to them. I'm just not a fan of that whole thing. I don't like those no, either. I'm not. Honestly. No, I'm not. A, I'm not a big fan no. of those. We actually we're, we're proud to have a new sponsor. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We have we are sponsored now by uh, the Glitzy Gripper. If you are insecure about eating hot dogs or other phallic symbol shaped foods, then maybe the Glitzy <laughs> Gripper is for you. It's a privacy screen that actually a pri- shields, really? that okay. actually shields the hot dog and your mouth from the viewing public. You sort of hold it up and you can eat a hot dog in privacy in, in a crowd so that yeah. they don't watch yeah. you, you know, deep throat a hot dog. So, <laughs> so that's who's sponsoring us. Uh, well, many thanks. Many thanks to the Grizzy Glipper. Right. The, glizzy, the, glizzy, the Glizzy Gripper. Why is it the Glizzy Gripper? The Glizzy Gripper. <laughs> so many thanks to them. And you can find those probably at what? Like, uh. Uh, <laughs> in the, the, uh, I don't know. In a car in combat zones? On a late night commercial. <laughs> right. Call in and get those automatically shipped to you once a month for the next three years for $39.95. <laughs> that's uh, that's uh, the, glitzy, the glitzy gripper. They've Excellent. actually come up with this device. It almost looks like a, I don't know, scrapers you scrape the wallpaper with. It's got the handle and like the shield so that you can put it next to your face so that people aren't watching you eat a hot dog if it's you know erotic for them or you or or both <laughs> well every time i eat a hot it dog is, it's it erotic. Is, it is fairly I mean, erotic i mean you are the hot dog yeah, champion I, of the world i make it an event it's <laughs> it's it's it, sexual it to event. watch me eat a hot dog it is an event i mean you you swallow the first 20 or 30 hole so that's, uh, yeah. i do i do that's, yeah uh, uh, speaking of swallowing things the whole this uh virtual strip club was invented <laughs> <laughs> uh, ladies and gentlemen that's the best yeah, segue that's yeah, ever been uh, on this I'm working program on these segues <laughs> and I, I nailed it the, you did uh, so this strip club in east hollywood was uh, seeing some light crowds obviously due to the pandemic so the girls decided to get together and do a virtual strip club and this strip club was actually called what was it called the jumbo clown club jumbo clown, clown run. run one of the worst strip club names i've heard yeah, I don't think you want Jumbo in the name, or Clown, yeah, really, right. in the name of a of a strip club. No. It should be, like, Beautiful Girls. Yeah, or... <laughs> beautiful Girls. 
erotic yeah, women, something, something. Like jumbo, not clown. jumbo and yeah. clown. I don't think so. These so these girls came up with this uh, virtual. So now they're showing for anywhere between five and twenty dollars. You can join this virtual room. They're called the Cyber Clown Girls, and they will perform, okay. you know, whatever it is for you as a member between five and twenty bucks. But I I just don't see the value in it only because there's so much. I mean, if you want porn and things, you just get it for free. Wouldn't you? I don't. I don't even know why you would do it. Yeah, I mean, you would. You would yeah. just get it for free. I mean, it's it's all over the yeah, internet. It, it <laughs> so it is. so uh, if you look hard enough, yeah. I'm going to say you could probably find some if you if I, you I, wanted I, to. I think that's probably very true. Yeah. So I would probably just refrain from going to the uh, the uh, cyber clown girls in the virtual room. You could go to the library maybe because an Austin, Texas librarian. He actually charged $1.3 million worth of toner. So he bought it over a 12-year period yeah. from 2007 to 2019. Took it home and yeah. sold it online. That's it amazing. Is. First of all, I, why are you not firing the accountant? He was, well, he the, was accountant. the accountant. Okay. That's why. So he's a librarian yeah. and the accountant. He was the accountant. Right. Conflict of interest there. I can't believe that he was able to purchase that much stuff without somebody raising a red flag. Somebody right. somewhere. You know, with the city, yeah. or, you know, they don't look into it. So when when he eventually got arrested, the city auditor of Austin was looking into it. And they figured that over that same time frame, so the same 12 year time frame, that the city of Austin really only needed about $150,000 worth at the wow. library. And he did one point so million and then $18,000 worth of personal items. Yeah, personal items. Probably a subscription to Cyber Clown Girls. Girls. 20 bucks a month. Probably yeah. was in there. Yes. And, I mean, he's probably buying a bunch of hot stuff. He probably was giving out the Grizzly Gripper. The Glizzy Gripper. As gifts. As gifts. Right. You know, Stocking stuff. To family and friends. Yeah, no sure. pun intended. <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> so he evidently would go to jail. And I hope he doesn't go in Oklahoma County. Because detention officers there were actually accused of punishing uh, inmates by repeatedly playing the baby shark song and making them stand for long yeah, periods of time. They couldn't even sit down and, and listen. They made them stand up and repeatedly played the baby shark song over, over and, and over, over and over again until their ears right. bled or they ooh, stabbed I mean, I don't know. Or... So there's a prison right. riot or something. So the two deputies and then the, I guess the I don't think it was the warden, but whoever the supervisor was, all got in trouble, and and it was like cruel and un- right, unusual right. punishment. Or something. I don't know what it certainly what, was. What song, if you were a detention officer who who had a hair across your ass, what what song would you punish people with? Anything train, by train. Any train song. Anything. Any train song at all. Whatever that song is. There are numerous train songs. That guy's voice to me. So if you wanted Pat, to punch Pat me, Monaghan. like if yeah. I was in prison and you just played anything that Pat Monahan yeah. sang and I would want yeah. to murder people. So that would be OK. Yeah. So my, my, I would absolutely 100 percent pick Love Shack. Play that repeatedly and, and I'll do things to myself. Well, yeah, have a mass slaying because Love Shack absolutely just gets under my skin every time I hear Love Shack. It, that is one of those songs that it's either I'm, I'm loving it yeah. or I'm hating it. And for me, music is sure. a mood thing. So like every once in a blue moon, you can hit me with Love Shack and I'll be yeah, singing so along to it. Yeah. But I would say 49 times yeah. out of 50, I'm with you. I'm looking yeah, to murder I think that someone. That's, uh, and I think part of it is because we lost to that group in Show Choir. That, it's yeah. a scar. 
That's it a, is that's a, wound. a wound. And whatever the, group sang Love yeah. Shack, oh, B fifty twos, and I I can't I can't stomach uh, Love Shack though. So have you ever owned a parrot? I have never owned a parrot, and I think it's because I I really wouldn't be able to handle the conversations with them because a British wildlife park parrots are actually fired. They actually got rid of the parrot. You can do that. They were swearing at customers. <laughs> <laughs> I so love like, that. Personal, that's my kind I mean, of that, pirate that is right a there. I, maybe I should own a parrot, put it in the corner of the yeah. room. And, then a, and teach it how to yeah. swear? I would 100% be behind yeah. that. Don't fire that parrot. Promote Absolutely. that parrot. Put that parrot right up front. I think zoos generally today, you know, day and age are frowned upon. Right. People believe animals should be in the wild, and they, they should, should, really. Right. But if you had a zoo and you had parrots that could swear, isn't that like a... Like a vaudeville act? Like, wouldn't you, wouldn't you put that right at the entrance? It, like, somebody's coming in, the parrot's like, hey, fuck yeah, you, right. fuck you, fuck See, you. See, that's part of the entertainment value. See, that's kind of like Dick's Last Resort when they yell at you and yeah. stuff at the, at the restaurant. Absolutely. It can be like that. You can have a wildlife park with parrots everywhere just saying, go fuck yourself. Yeah, only want a cracker, fuck off. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's awesome. a fucking cracker. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. I would love I that. I mean, I think that that they should reevaluate the whole zoo experience. I think they just, should. Uh, I think they should turn the zoo experience into more of a free. It should for be all. like just open the gates, <laughs> open yeah. the gates, let the animals run free, and if you want to go to the zoo and see a tiger, right. you may die. You may die, but you can see one. Yeah. And right the parrot will be over in the corner saying, the parrot ass, will be there. move. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. The parrot will be there commentating and laughing his ass off <laughs> I, I as he watches get mauled. I think we're going to be millionaires. Oh, oh my God, we should parrot. definitely do this. Oh, my God, what a great idea. <laughs> I don't know if we'd get insurance. No, probably that's not. Really, that's going to be a tough one. That's going to be a tough sell. That would be. someone's going to yeah. die. We'll have to do it on the down low like Carol Baskin. Yeah. We'll just make a wildlife park in someone's backyard yeah, just in the backyard yeah. <laughs> yeah i mean people typically end up over the fence anyway because they're stupid what, they do just open they do have do a girl just slap you across the face with this <laughs> with his big claws <laughs> oh i thought you were going in a different direction <laughs> i thought we were going to need the, gr- the glizzy yeah, gripper right yeah, there you need the gripper. You to hand him out on the way in watch while you get sodomized by a gorilla <laughs> that's, yeah that's a that's a whole cover it up for the privacy screen. yeah now you really have a hard time with the insurance yeah that's, uh, <laughs> yeah but uh yeah, yeah so typically zoos can be a little dirty so maybe you need to get those trash-eating flies that scientists are actually saying that flies are actually being used for a couple of different methods. And one of them is because they tend to eat trash and they regurgitate. Their poop is called brass, I think. Brass is fly poop. And it's actually a fertilizer. I thought that okay. flies, when they landed, is this a myth when flies landed, they throw up? Ever heard that? I, I thought they poop oh, when they, they poop, landed. Yeah, poop. Are, yeah, okay. So they poop when they land. Well, they, evidently they do. And it becomes like a fertilizer of sorts. I've never actually seen. I mean, fly poop must be microscopic, right? I mean, I, mean, I guess flies so. land on me, and I don't smell anything or see anything, <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> right? I, I mean, hope he doesn't have the runs. So uh, evidently, that's what's happening. And uh, I mean, they land quite a bit. They do. They land like constantly. Actually, flies can be one yeah. of the most annoying things in the world. Must be a pretty regular insects if they poop every time they land like if you're trying to swat a fly that thing's landing like oh, 20 yeah. 30 poop, times poop, in the span poop, of a minute or two pooping all the time like what do they eat they have to poop yeah. like that all the time with this microscopic yeah. imaginary poop it's terrible yeah. you know what's is is poop on a stick is the ellen degeneres show 
That that show actually is down 37%. I'm really surprised. Yeah. I mean, she seems like such a nice person. <laughs> yeah. Not not fake no, at all. No, I mean, you talk about someone who's just gotten a bad rap. It's definitely Ellen. Yeah. She uh, mm-hmm. she has a really hard time with her with her coworkers and her staff and crew and and now the the people have spoken. They have not been watching Ellen. You know what else people don't watch? No, the Red Sox. They don't watch the Red Sox at all. Down 54%. Down the highest they have the sharpest decline in the entire Major League Baseball in TV audience by being down 54%. They had that one game earlier this year where they had a point four. while the mm. Patriots had like a 33 and a half or whatever it was. And they had a yeah. point four. I probably could point out some reasons why that would be. You know, you sell off one of the greatest players in baseball. You don't have any pitching. No. The team stinks. Sam Kennedy moved the starts of the games for some reason to 730. Yeah. When the games already take, you know, four or five hours. So instead of starting them at seven, now they start at 730. So it's even later that you have to stay yeah. up. So a uh, combination of, of errors. Oh, yeah. It's just a sort of a conscious over there. It's too bad because the Red Sox obviously were tremendously popular for a long time. I think baseball's taken a hit, and rightfully so. So that's a look at news this week. We come back from the break. We have a special guest, and that is, and we love Nesson. It is Nesson Bruins analyst Billy Jaffe. He's going to join us in just a bit to talk Bruins right after this ad from Anchor. And then we'll talk a little bit later on about I have some give me that shit and you have a fuck out of here. That is going to be absolutely epic. We'll have that all coming up next. We are joined by Bruins Nesson analyst Billy Jaffe. Billy, thanks for being with us for a few minutes here. Yeah, thanks for uh, having me. I appreciate it. Always fun to talk hockey. Absolutely. So the NHL wraps up their season eight. They finished the season in a bubble, in a pandemic, uh, over 30,000 COVID tests, zero positives. I just want to get your, you know, your thoughts and feeling on just how great an accomplishment this was by the NHL. Well, before the uh, NHL resumed its season, if you had told me that they'd be able to pull it off with not just one positive but with not even one scare really i mean i mean just just amazing because i felt about a month two months before i gave it 30 maybe 35 percent possibility of happening maybe i'm too cynical too negative about a week or a few weeks before i was up to about 40 percent likely you know um and then i was 50 50 when they dropped the puck like really could they really do this considering everything else that was going on in the world with all that said, amazing. Uh, starting with Bettman, but then Bill Daly, but really it's the people below them, Steve Mayers of the world, that just came through and mm. set everything up logistically. Look, it wasn't perfect. It wasn't, mm. you know, it wasn't Nirvana, so to speak, for the players. <laughs> right. But for yeah. the fans, it ended up becoming hockey Nirvana because they pulled it off mm-hmm. and they did it in a safe, healthy environment. By the way, we as a society could learn a on from these guys from what they did you know i don't want to go off on a tangent here but they respected the system once they got their asses straightened out and remember we had some teams that were testing positive early on right and i think they recognized like wait we can't do this we need to kind of pull back and get ourselves healthy so they started distancing they wear wore their masks this that and everything and then they got to the bubble and they kept doing it and it was like oh we're going to be okay we could learn some good lessons from that and and as a society and say look maybe we could i know we can't bubble up but you know what i mean we could uh, learn from that and maybe get into a better spot than where we're at right now 
Sure. So uh, based off of that, it, it sounds like the NHL wants to play a full season in, in 2021, but they don't really have a start date yet. It seems like a lot of things are still up in the air. Uh, I've heard possibly around January 1st, maybe the start. Um, how do you think the, the next season should move forward? Well, and I say this not being a smart aleck, it really doesn't matter how I think it should move forward because it's all going to be based on the medicine, or not the medicine, the medical field, the, the science, the yeah. what's going on. And what I mean by that is I could sit here and say, well, I think they should play, you know, January 1, like, you know, a lot of, of us are hearing, right? Yeah. If the activity of, of the virus is too high, we're not going to. So what would I love to see? Well, I'd love to see it to where it's good enough that the league can come back. I, I don't see how they come back before January 1, because if they do want to have fans in the stands, that gives them the most amount of time. There's still going to be certain markets, certain municipalities, fellas, that are not going to allow fans in the building. They're just not going to. And so that's going to create a different scenario for teams. Um, you know, who knows what California is going to allow? Who knows what Massachusetts is going to allow? You know, they've sure. been pretty strict. So you may have yeah. some markets like Florida that it's like, you know, 50 percent. And you're going to have other markets where it's zero. So I'd love to see them get going in January. I, could I see them not, not starting until February? Absolutely. We just know so little about this thing. We are literally shooting, I mean, eyes closed and a bandana around it and in a box right. and right. in the right. dark. And it, right. we have no idea what tomorrow holds, let alone a couple of months from now. Held. Yeah, that's true. And, and, as far as the Bruins are concerned and in this current climate with, with lost revenue and, and sort of some indecision on how it will, if they'll be able to have crowds and, mm -hmm. and increased revenue, how, how, how do you think that impacts what they're really trying to do? I mean, the, the fans want, obviously, big roster moves, take on big contracts, but they, can they really do that realistically right now? Well, I think that's a question for just about every owner out there. Um, listen, the, the Jacobs family, their business is taking a, gigantic hit i mean you know look you guys know all of their their core business is based on what entertainment venues yeah, right every, concessions, you know, right concessions right. everything i right. mean it's not just sports right. it's hot it's concerts it's it's convention so it's gonna I, I can't imagine how it doesn't make a huge impact on them i i, I couldn't you know i've heard we've all heard the rumors of what kind of value that their their overall you know uh, net worth is has dropped to. They're still very wealthy, but yet when you see the the, the drop in value, you, you know when you hear about it, you're like, whoa! I mean, that would scare the crap out of anybody. So no, I think absolutely. I don't think they're the only owners out there. But particularly, how does it impact them? Well, I think it will have an impact with regard to how much they would offer a guy like a Tory Krug. I still think they want to keep him in line with their other top guys. I know they love him. I'd love they'd love to have him. But I also think that there's an internal salary structure. And quite honestly, fellas, in that regard, I don't blame them. I don't see many teams with 9, 10, 11 million dollar players, many that are dominating. I mean, I, you know, I do know that, you know, people might say, well, look at Tampa. Well, I mean, they're going to be in cap hell starting next season. So we'll see right. how they are. They were beautiful this year, maybe not next year. But I do think, guys, I, I do think it will impact how, how, aggressive they will be with regard to unrestricted free agents but I, I i don't know if that will impact them though how aggressive donnie and cam and the rest of the crew will be on making changes 
to the team because I think they will seek out the trades. I do. I, I, I'd be very surprised if we don't see something decent happen with the core of the team, whether that's one player or two players. I'd be surprised if we didn't see something or at least heavily try to make something happen between, let's say, now and the next 10 days or so. So speaking of that, the Bruins have been mentioned in some uh, juicy rumors with Taylor Hall's name being mentioned, possibly Petrangelo as free agents. And then you hear Rask's name and DeBrusque and Carlo uh, in possible trades, Oliver ekman Larson, among others. Do you think that something actually will happen with any of those big names uh, with them signing a top tier guy? Or making, uh, like you said, maybe making more of a core-altering trade. My gut tells me more of a of a trade. I, I listen. Um, I like Alex Petrangelo a heck of a lot, but if he's not going to accept almost eight and a half million in St. Louis, are you going to be paying him nine to ten million in Boston? Right. Is that where you want to go? Um, I don't. But right. So <laughs> right. And well, right. But you know. So now. Will they? I don't see that. I mean, you're talking about having to move out significant pieces then. Now, could I see them paying bigger money for a big-time defenseman more than a forward? Yes. I don't see that. I mean, you know, what are you going to get Taylor Hall for? I mean, I look, I, again, He's. A, I think he's a hell of a player. But I do not think if you load him up as your number one guy uh, contractually, you know, salary-wise, I don't think he's the leader on your team. I I still think it, you know, I know Patrice is getting older, you know, relatively speaking, but it's still Bergeron. Then it's Marchand. You're working in Pasternak. Um, you know, I mean, Taylor Hall, all of a sudden, you, you uh, pick him up and blow everybody out of the water with a, a, even if it's only eight and a half, you're talking two million more a year than Marchand's getting. Is he two million more a year better than Brad Marchand? No, I, I don't. Nope. Personally, I don't I don't think so. And uh, I just don't think you upset the structure by doing that. You know, I, it, and one of the things I, I keep going back to and I and maybe it's wishful thinking on my part, but I just think that maybe, you know, after all else fails, maybe Jack Stadnika is somewhat of an answer in that first or second line, maybe right wing. And I just wanted to get your thoughts on on Jack and whether or not he could be an option that may be just as good, if not better, than what you may overspend for? Well, he seems he's a tantalizing option because we saw him in a very short sample size hold his own and at times look even better than just good. Like, he looked very good, right? Mm, right. But I think he's – look, I, he's a legit NHLer, and he – at least in my eyes – and he has a, a nice future – I'm not ready to anoint him the, 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 the piece of the puzzle for the first or the second line just yet on a regular basis when we're talking a regular, you know, 82-game season where, you know, he, he's still got three years of, you know, look at where Pasternak is physically. I mean, how many years now? Right. Four? I mean, this is where right. it took. And yes, but Pasternak is, is such a special player. Jack can be there, but I don't see him being nearly as dynamic a scorer as a guy like Pasternak, obviously. So he's sure. going to have to be more physical. He's going to have to get bigger. He will put on man strength an awful lot between the ages of, let's say, 23 and 26. So you need to get him there first. I'd rather see him mature as a third liner and evolve into a first, second liner instead of forcing him into a first, second line role right now. That doesn't mean that he can't elevate a ride up and down in the lineup. I think he can. 
at, at the right spots. But I think when you really say all said and done, I'd start him as a third line guy and let him learn the game, feel the game the right way at, at, you know, for his, his age and his physical maturity. Do you think there's more of a, like an under the radar type of guy who would be a great fit for the Bruins, like maybe a Bobby Ryan on the wing or Shattenkirk or TJ Brody that might be one of those, you know, kind of a lesser than the, than the top tier guys? Yes. Uh, you, you, you mentioned uh, Kevin Shattenkirk. Um, it's interesting. You know, I, I think he would like to stay in Tampa and I think he would take a little bit less of a salary to stay in Tampa, taking into consideration the cost of living and the tax taxation situation and staying with a great team. Um, I think he would do that. But it would be an interesting thing. Meanwhile, I'd really rather look at a left shot D more than anything, more than I think they need more than a righty. If you're assuming that Charlie and you know McAvoy and Carlo and and I guess Connor Clifton are all still here right there, there's three guys right now that you got on your right. I mean, can you bring in a Shattenkirk? Yeah, I guess you could move Clifton over to the left if he's going to be part of your top six. We'll have to wait and see. Um, you know, an under-the-radar guy is – I mean, look, I don't know if he'd be unbelievable, but could a Wayne Simmons on the fourth line bring something for this team? I don't – you know, the skating, I'm not sure. But on the other hand, we saw Pat Maroon do it, and we saw what what, mm. what that meant to the team. Could that add a little edge to the team? That's a little size that you don't maybe need 82 games, but you need 62 games. Mm-hmm. Could Tyler Toffoli work his way? I mean, you're, you're talking more money problem than the Bruins want to pay. Um, you know, it doesn't look like Joe Nordstrom is going to be brought back. Do you, you just replace him with a bleed or Trent Frederick? Or do you go out and try and get somebody that has a little bit uh, more um, NHL experience? Could A guy that might get a kick at the can? Third line, maybe Craig Smith, maybe. You're, I mean, he's sure. not going to get yeah. four point whatever he made uh, last year. Right. But you know, does that does that overly wow you? Maybe not right away, but you build depth that way. Um, I, I mean, those are those are some names. I'm trying to think of some other guys that are that are still out. There. You brought up Bobby Ryan. I mean, I'm a big Bobby Ryan fan. You know, could he could mm. you know could he get a shot? Maybe you know one year type uh, deal like we saw. I, uh, uh, Corey Perry get with uh, with Dallas, maybe, yeah, that type of thing. Could. Well, that's great, uh, Billy. We really appreciate you joining us. Uh, it's uh, always good to talk hockey, like you said, and uh, we'll we'll watch you for next year, and and we wish you the best. Yeah, we got a few shows coming up the next couple of weeks on Ness and every Monday. Oh, great. Okay, we we'll, we will we will check that out. Absolutely. Thanks, Billy. Appreciate it. Thanks to Billy Jaffe for uh, joining us this week, talking Bruins. Nesson Bruins analyst does a great job for Nesson. Uh, check out uh, Nesson Bruins programming as uh, typically it would be during the Bruins season right now, but they'll have some special Bruins programming. Lots of moves coming up for the Bruins, so we really enjoyed having Billy on. Hope to have him again sometime. Right now, it's time for Gimme That Shit. Fuck out of here. Am I Gimme That Shit is epic because it will be in dedication to the late, great Eddie Van Halen. Eddie Van Halen passed away recently, and Van Halen was such a big part of 
us growing up and some of the greatest albums of all time. And of course, 1984 was one of the very first cassette tapes I had. I remember in, in fifth grade, we did uh, a skit in music to Van Halen's Jump. So yeah, I mean, it was a huge, huge album at the time and, and definitely a big part of my childhood. You know what? I, I read I read up a little bit after Eddie died you know, a couple of days ago and, and they had only had one number one top 40 hit and that was Jump. And they had 16 top 40 hits. Only one went to number one. Wow. But on, but on October 6th, and he passed on October 6th, on that day, they sold a combined songs and albums. Uh, I think it was 40, was it 40,000? I think it was. It was 31,000 songs and 9,000 albums on that one day. <laughs> wow. And they were just, we talked about it before with Michael Jackson, those albums that just, the non-greatest hits albums that just have great songs throughout. Yeah. And, and Van, Van Halen won in 1984 were definitely two of those. That Absolutely. Just had songs right throughout. I mean, Van Halen won was a tremendous album. It had many hits on it. And so in 1984 as well. And of course, Sammy Hagar joined 5150 and OUA12. And, and of course, yeah. I was a David Lee Roth fan for the longest time. But we talked about this before. And I've, I've sort of leaned back toward Hagar when I go to listen. Obviously, I got into Van Halen. It was Eddie and, and Alex, you know. Right. And and then, obviously, David Lee Roth, mm -hmm. you know, jumping around and, and right. the kicks and, and the just the stage presence was unbelievable. But I really, I would say that I'm really more of a Van Hagar guy. You know, yeah. Sammy Hagar, Van Halen. You know, I, I told you before, OU812 to me is like a very, very underrated, sneaky, great right. album. Right. It definitely is. It definitely is. And I there's so many great songs. And I actually I went uh, on a walk the other day and just the day after Eddie passed. And I, I just played all Van Halen. And the amount of songs is just like you forget how many great songs. Uh, we're definitely saddened to, to hear about Eddie Van Halen, 65 years old, much too young, battle throat cancer. But one of the absolute greatest guitarists of all time. And like I Without said, that, that band, you know, you talk about just American rock bands, which, you know, Right before they came along, not a lot of great American bands, and they were absolutely one of the greatest American bands. Oh, ever. yeah. No question. And they're uh, just fantastic. So that's definitely my give me that shit is about uh, Van Halen and all the great music they've had and chips away a little bit more at our childhood. Yep. But uh, it was such a great, uh, just such a great band, Van Halen. So my fuck out of here, and this, this has been bothering me for a while, actually for years is the Bruins drafting and scouting or lack of scouting, whatever they're doing during the draft is really, really aggravating me. It's really pissing me off. Everybody goes back to the 2015 draft, but I think you have to. DeBrusque Zaboral-Sinitian is just a colossal miss, an unbelievably bad miss. It's so hard when they reach for picks and reach for picks with good players on the board. So here's an example of this. Central scouting ranks all the players going into the draft. So here's just a few examples. DeBrusque, Bruins picked at 14. He was ranked 19th. It's not so bad. Sinitian, they picked 15th. He was ranked 38th. So that's, okay, eh, that's, a that's a stretch. They took Trent Frederick at 29. He was ranked 47th. Stretch. Yaro Vakaninen was... Uh, ranked 22, they picked him at 18. So that's it's not bad. 
I believe the guy's name is Axel Anderson. Right. They Axel picked Anderson, at 57. Yeah. He was ranked right. 93rd. Wow. So that's not good. And then just traded for Verandre Kasher as part of the Bacchus Anderson first round pick deal this past right. year. And he was 93rd. Yeah. Wow. And they, and they picked him at 57. John Beecher, who they took, was it last year or two years ago? Last, last year. year. Yeah. He was yeah. uh, ranked 41, and they picked him 30th. Wow. And then their first pick that they had this year was in the second round, and they took uh, Mason Lowray at 58, and he was ranked not 132 by Central Scouting. He was ranked 132 among North American skaters only. So I have no idea what a Central Scouting rank is. I believe someone said it may have been in the 200s, and they took him at 58. To me... The entire scouting department should just be fired just on the spot and they should just use the central scouting draft rankings. Right. They should. I mean, yeah, if they had done that, they would have had Matt Barzal instead of (laughs) Sanishin. So what are we doing? I I don't know. And I, and I think, and here's the other thing, this past draft, they took Loray and they, they took Trevor Kunta uh, and, and those two guys both, roomed with former Bruins draft picks. And then they took with their third pick in the fifth round, they took Mason Langenbrunner, who is actually the son of the director of player development. Yeah. So we have two roommates, two roommates and a son of a guy who's the, on the staff. And the guy's son. Did you not go? And then a, guy, and then a kid from Woburn. And a kid from Woburn. In the sixth round. So we have, right. we have two roommates, the son of a kid on the staff, and a kid who lives down the street. I mean, right. what in yeah. the absolute fuck are we doing? <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I mean, I mean it, it really if is. I move in with Charlie McAvoy, can I? Can I get drafted by the Bruins? Yeah, I mean, you are a you are a right shot center. Yep. You know, a little a little slight, but good hands, <laughs> good vision. I'm definitely slight. I yeah. do have good. I, I do IQ. have pretty good hands. I am a yeah. horrible skater, so I don't have any. Speed. Yep. I don't have any <laughs> speed. Right in line. My edge work yeah. is terrible. Terrific. My shot is Can't weak. Right in front of the net. I can, I can yeah. pass the puck, and I, and I'm a little yeah. crafty. You know, yeah. I got a little feistiness to now. Hook you in the corners. Give you the business. <laughs> yeah. Hell, I would be a reach, but it sounds like the Bruins. I'm right up their alley. Yeah, you would. You would be right around the 200s. Right. All I can think of is that it has to do with financials because I think these four guys won't be playing for the Boston Bruins for at least three or four years, and they won't be playing AHL hockey for two or three yeah. years at the very. Okay. Earliest. So here's <laughs> another thing that I forgot to mention before. The Bruins have not taken a Canadian draft pick since right. 2017. Right. When they took Jack right. Stanika and Cedric Paré and some other schmuck. Yeah. The only one they signed was Stanika, which, you know, thank goodness. Mm-hmm. But every single retired number that the Bruins have is a Canadian player. Yes. Every, every single one. And they have zero Canadian draft picks in the last three drafts. And the next one, who's probably going to be Patrice Bergeron, is Canadian as yeah. well. I don't know what they have against the CHL or OHL, rather. I don't know how, what they have against the Ontario Hockey League uh, because they just sort of stay away from all of that. So I don't, I don't know why. Maybe they're starting to fall in love with the with the local kids. Yeah, they've had it to. seems like they're going North American or European, but not Russian, which I don't get either. But not Russian because they've only had thirteen Russian players in their entire franchise yeah. history. So it's either Czech, you know, Czech, Finland. Switzerland, Sweden, whatever, and it's in its North America, and it, usually it's in your backyard. This scouting just didn't seem like 
it, it literally seems like, you know what, guys, we have a pandemic. Let's cut down on the travel and sit in your living room and call everybody's roommate and see who we can get. <laughs> I mean, that's literally. Like I mean, it, do, it does sound like that. I mean, that's that literally is what it's like, because <laughs> it sounded like know, it sounded like the roommate things. It sounded like they were like, oh, you room with another hockey player. Cool. What yeah. position does he play? Yeah, who is that? Can oh, I talk is, to he, him? is he? Do you do you like him? Is he any good? Oh, he is. Sweet. Yeah. Put him down. Put him on the list. Right. And, you know, young kids are like, yeah, guys, guys, wicked good. Yeah. 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 He's my he's my boy. Yeah. OK, well, great. Yeah. We'll just draft him. Super. So that we don't have to go spend any money and get reimbursed for travel and we can just uh we can just pick up guys from woburn and uh and from the dorm rooms <laughs> and some dude's son we'll see in the next few years but uh this is another draft you know other than david Pasternak, which was a big hit in 2014 yeah he was and charlie mcavoy which is a big hit so mcavoy uh, he was ranked sixth he slipped to them he slipped to 14 yeah that was honestly a no-brainer i mean they kind yeah, of got that's lucky i mean Pasternak was a good was the one good pick. Yeah. And Brandon Carlo was a good, he slipped, he was highly ranked and he slipped to them. He did. He was like 21 and slipped yeah. and they, they were able to pick him, but they're few and far between. If you look at 2013, which I think was Donnie Sweeney's first draft, it was a complete disaster. I mean, there's nobody in the 2013. Is draft. that the Zach Hamill draft? No, that was 2013 was, um, was that Anton Bleed? And oh, geez. It was just a bunch of crap. Big pile of like, suck, yeah. Like one guy played 28 games or something. The rest of them didn't do anything. So, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on the fuck out of here on the Bruins draft selection process. Yeah, they and can, they can I mean, they so. can fuck right out of here. I mean, yeah. unless they want to pick me, then I'm, then I'm in. And this is a deep draft for wingers, and they could really use scoring wingers and developing scoring. Because we've heard all the... All of the stuff about, you know, all of these young guys they had three or four years ago, Ryan Donato, Trent Frederick, Ryan Fitzgerald, like all these guys that were. Yeah, like Ryan Fitzgerald, they let walk for nothing. Donato's yeah. now been traded twice because he got traded again just right. recently. Dan Heinen was another guy. He got traded. Yeah. So obviously you know, they're not doing a very good job if they're, no. if they're getting rid of all these guys that they're picking or they're not signing them. And their farm system isn't rated very highly. So they're, they're clearly making mistakes they, they clearly are and to, and to take flyers like that and i really think some of it's financial that they don't want to pay these guys you know pro contracts right now or, or waiting down the road i mean all four of them are going to go play two one's going to play at bc two at was it two at providence and one at harvard i think big kid i thought he was going to ohio state ohio state that's right they're all playing major college hockey but some of them are after one more year of the USHL. So I was the only one that's going to BC this year. The rest of them are playing another year of United States hockey and then going on to the college game. So you're looking at at least three years for those guys before you even sniff maybe leaving college early. So it's um, all projects and we'll see what happens. But I'm with you. It was highly frustrating yesterday watching on Twitter and seeing what was happening and all the guys, all the projections, and then having guys just way off the board picked. I mean, obviously they look for size because they have this thing now with size, and they seem to swing back and forth size, and then now we're going to go speed and skill, now we're going to go size again. And it just seems like, I don't know if they overthink it or... What they need to do is create a balance. That's what Tampa does. They have their skill right. guys, but then they also have some size. They right. have some bangers. They have some depth guys. 
you know, right. some secondary scoring. Obviously, right. they have a great defense with Hedman. They made the, I can't believe Montreal traded them, but they traded, they made the Sergachev for a Drouin trade. Yeah, right. um, so they, you know, made some smart sure. moves there too. But well, they drafted Anthony Sorelli and, and, and the Bruins are drafting, you know, Jacob Forsbeck and Carlson. Right. Yeah. So who's not even in the league? No. And then they have Anthony Sorelli, who's going to be a Selkie candidate for years to come. So that's the type of drafting. Montreal had a great draft this year. I hate to say it. They did. Their draft was great. It I mean, was. They had a purpose. And they got guys who everybody thought they should get. And then the Bruins are just off the board. And, and just it just seems like this Don Sweeney, I'm smarter than everybody else thing. And it just becomes like smug and, and arrogant. And it, there was one scout that was it was just a random anonymous scout that said, I don't know, maybe they they maybe they're smarter than everybody else. It doesn't no, appear that way. No, it doesn't appear that way at all. And it'll be interesting to see years from now what this draft actually looks like. But it just screams, just like 2015 did. I mean, when that happened, people were like, wow, they reached for these guys and they left all these other guys on the board. And then, sure enough, Matt Barzal is a is a young stud. You know? He is. And then, Kyle Connor's a stud. Right. I mean, Thomas Shabbat's a stud. I mean, all these guys they could have had Brock were studs, Gutter. and they yeah. have Zaboral and Sinitian still in Providence. Yeah, I mean, Sinitian wasn't even playing top six minutes no, in Providence. He's on the bottom of fucking later. two lines. Five years later. Yeah. So I don't. I don't know. I hope that. They know something everybody else doesn't know, but I'm going to say that the odds of that are slim. So this is a this is a big fuck out of here. Fuck out of here, Bruins. Have, have fuck out of here, Bruins. Hopefully they could make some free agent moves or make a trade that. Yeah, hopefully uh, they do something in the next couple of days to to uh, to get me excited about it again because right. this really really aggravated me. It it does. Maybe on episode 20 we'll talk about how how excited we are. I hope so. Wishful thinking. <laughs> All right. So that's the end of episode 19. And uh, it was a, another wonderful episode with Billy Jaffe. It was a lot of fun to have him. We're having the good guests. And I'm, I'm really enjoying that. Yeah, we are. We are. We've had some uh, some really good big name guests, you know, yeah. in our first 20 episodes. Pretty pretty impressive by us. Yeah, we really are. For, <laughs> for a couple of assholes. <laughs> yeah. Pretty well. So, uh Every Sunday night, new episode drops. Next week, it'll be episode 20. Can you imagine? It's a little bit of a milestone. I mean, that is a milestone. It is. 20 episodes, 20 weeks, about five months of this. can't believe we're still doing it. I know. We're still doing it. We're going to be doing it for For a long time. Years to come until one of us is, you know. Doesn't want to do it. (laughs) 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 All right. So uh, thanks for listening, everybody. And we'll see everybody uh, again next week. Have a great week, everybody. Thanks a lot. Bye.